Welcome to the QNS Podcast. Each episode, we take a look back at the week in Queens news, but this week, we're doing something a little different. Oh, and I'm Jacob Kay. And I'm Angelica Acevedo. This week, we sat down with City Councilman Donovan Richards, and our conversation went so well that we're just going to play that for you. He's been in the City Council since 2013, and as he'll tell you in a little bit, he's been busy. Now he's running for Queensborough president. We talk a little bit about his history growing up in Queens, his work in the city council, his acceptance of real estate money, and a little bit about the progressive movement in the borough. Also, she's not going to say it because she's too humble. But Angelica is moderating a debate with all the candidates running to represent you as your Queensborough president. It's on Thursday, February 13th at 7 p.m. at the North Shore Towers and Country Club, and we both hope you can make it. It'll also be live streamed, so if you can't make it, it's fine. But you should make it. So let's get into it. Here's our conversation with City Councilman and Queensborough President Candidate Donovan Richards. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Donovan Richards. Thank you for having me. So let's just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your work as City Councilman. Yeah, so I'm New York City Councilmember Donovan Richards, born and bred in the best borough in New York City. That is Queens, New York. Uh, born a teenage parent. And, uh, you know, they instilled a lot of what I deem and how what I've accomplished nowadays really is a testament to a lot of the sacrifices that they made. My father just became a citizen last year. Um, I'm the oldest of four and uh, and got my start in politics uh, relatively young. It was an unfortunate incident that led me to the city council in 2003, which was the murder of my childhood friend, Darnell Patterson, uh, from Southeast Queens, who's a young man, you know, who grew up on my block. We played basketball. We did all the things teenagers do and shouldn't do. But, you know, I went to his funeral and decided walking out of that funeral that I wanted to get engaged in public service, not knowing it would lead me to the city council, uh, city council, but I met my local council member who was then James Sanders. He's hosting a gun violence meeting and I decided to attend right after the funeral, maybe a week or two after. And that's what led me in, got uh, hired in 2003 and ended up working for him for a decade. Literally started the equivalent of a man with a broom and a dustpan, knew nothing about politics and pretty much worked my way up through every position and was blessed to be elected in 2013. Um, So coming into 2013, uh, you have to remember I represent uh, the Rockaways, Laurelton, Rosedale and Springfield Gardens. Uh, The Rockaways was devastated by Hurricane Sandy. Parts of Rosedale were devastated. So when I was running for office, I couldn't necessarily ring people's doorbells and say, hey, how you doing? I know your house is underwater. Uh, Could I have your vote? So we really spent our time uh, digging people out. We spent a lot of time securing a lot of relief uh, uh, supplies for the neighborhood. And then uh, I was blessed to be elected come in 2013. One of the reasons I came in and when I came in, people said, what chairmanship were you going to look at? And I was like, environmental protection. One, you know, when you think about the flooding issues that Southeast Queens has gone through for decades, for nearly 40 years because of the lack of infrastructure. And then from a climate change standpoint with the Rockaways, but also the lack of infrastructure there, um, it struck me that I needed to lead in this specific area. So we were able to secure about $2 billion from the mayor for 55 projects in South Queens. And then fast forward, I became the zoning chairman of the city council. So that put me right in the hot seat uh, when it came to development. Uh, The mayor was trying to shepherd in mandatory inclusionary housing and zoning for quality and affordability. So it really put me right in the spotlight right away on policies that 
we now are using to build more affordable housing. And we secured about $300 million for that particular uh, rezoning. So it's 1,900 units of real affordable housing, not that affordable housing people talk about that, you know, neighborhoods can't get in. $40 million library, $139 million in infrastructure, $21 million for local schools, and almost 200,000 square feet of new retail, especially during a time where we see um, the challenges with retail and growth in the borough. And fast forward, now I'm the chairman of the Public Safety Committee. So it's been a very interesting committee because my job is to work with the police commissioner uh, and to push the department to be better. And it's not always easy balancing that. Uh, we're building a $94 million precinct in Queens, which will be known as the 116th Precinct. And one of the things that's going to be much different about this precinct, this modern precinct, is that it will have a food pantry in it. It'll also have community center space, a public plaza outside. So we're really going to make the um, effort to really merge police with the community. So those are the um, three uh, chairmanships. I think I'm the only council member who's chaired three committees over the last six years. I'm a member so of the council. Busy. Yeah, I'm a member of the council's <laughs> leadership team. I was on the budget negotiating team. I also uh, am a, uh, an appointee by the mayor to the bus advisory board, the MTA's bus advisory board. We sit on both the Habitat for Humanities board and Center for New York City Neighborhoods board as well. So it's relatively been busy over the last six years, and especially with a four-year-old who is All even right. busier. Wow. <laughs> Why did you feel like now was the right time to run for Queensborough president? I don't believe in being one of those politicians that wants to be a politician for life. I believe in really purpose, right? And and I came in here with the purpose. And, you know, sort of I've worked very closely with Melinda Katz, obviously, over the course of, of her tenure of being the borough president. We've accomplished a great deal together. So a lot of things like building, rebuilding maternity wards, um, expanding hospital centers, doing playgrounds together. And really, when you look at my experience, right, when I talked about those three chairmanships, when I go around Queens to so all of these debates, there are three things that are on everybody's mind. It's always housing, it's always the environment, and there's always safety. And there's been no one else in this race who's pretty much had a front row seat in really navigating all three worlds. So the experience is why I'm running. I mean, I think I have a lot to offer this borough based on my experience. I want to make sure every corner of this borough feels represented. And that's why our theme has been a Queens for all, because there are a lot of people who are seeing changes in Queens and they don't relatively feel like it's for them. And we want to make sure that those voices who've historically been left out of the process um, have a place they can call home. So what are your like top three priorities? So let's start with um, housing is absolutely one of the key things we have to focus on. You know, 60,000 people living in homeless shelters. I actually have the largest family shelter on the East Coast in my district, uh, Saratoga Inn. It's about 917 families. And the, the affordable housing crisis is of great magnitude. And one of the things we want to look at is creating a zoning task force. I don't think we need to wait for the city to come to us with their plans. I think we should actually be strategically looking and identifying places that we can do some responsible growth in while preserving our neighborhoods. So I know for neighborhoods like Bayside and South Queens, we're very similar. We're one-family homes, and we want to keep the character of our neighborhoods. But there are a lot of business corridors that provide 
provide new opportunities and provide an opportunity for us to really grow our communities and to ensure that young people who are doing the right thing can stay in Queens. You know, a lot of young people are having to move out to other places because there's not enough affordable housing um, specifically in Queens. We also want to look at affordable home ownership. Uh, you might have heard the mayor's announcement yesterday on community land trust, and that's something, a bill that I passed. Community land trust technically gives the community the say-so on what should happen on their land. And so it, it takes away the government pressure, um, even though we would still need the government to probably provide some subsidies and lower property taxes. But we need to ensure that there's a pathway to upward mobility. When I have a robust immigration unit, um, you know, I talked about my father's struggle with citizenship. He just became a citizen last year. Actually, my election will be the first election he could vote on <laughs> in his life. So I'm very proud about that. Like, make sure you register. I don't want to hear no excuses. Um, but we want to ensure that we are are having a unit that's going to do a lot of outreach. 2.2 million people, 190 languages, 200 countries represented. I mean, we see how ISIS targeted in our communities, and we can't wait to ensure that people feel welcome and that the services are being provided, um, even as we struggle for real immigration reform at a federal level. Um, some other areas I want to focus on, obviously, renewable energy is a big one for me. I did um, actually co-chair the mayor's one NYC plan, which was the city's plan on how they're going to combat climate change. There were a lot of good things, but Queens should definitely be um, the future of renewable energy. And I think we can leverage a lot of the zoning tools and unlock a lot of the potential we have right here. So, for instance, in the Rockaways, every development that's coming up that we've approved has solar panels on it, green roofs. Um, we're going to cut the ribbon on a building that has geothermal technologies, which is a newer technology. The earth can actually naturally cool and heat your, your, your building. And a lot of people have been slow to get to this specific technology. But when you talk about an electricity bill, their bill will probably be like $3 a year, right? You know, because they're not spending a lot of their excess money on things like that. Obviously, there's some big jobs are critical. I mean, in lieu of losing Amazon, tech is still coming in. We have to make sure, I was just in uh, Long Island City the other night at a tech event, and we want to make sure techies can call Queens home. And guess what? The tech industry is still growing right here in Queens. So I want to invest a lot of resources into that and ensure that we're leveraging those opportunities, even as Amazon pulled out, to create good jobs. And then I'll, I'll just, and I mean, obviously, transportation's a big issue. We can spend an hour on that. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of other developments going on between JFK and LaGuardia Airport. And we want to make sure we're really leveraging those opportunities for Queens residents. I'm happy to just have secured a deal to bring back uh, Elmhurst Dairy to Queens. Uh, Elmhurst Dairy provided milk pretty much to a lot of our public schools, and they moved out to Jersey. They're now known as Bartlett Dairy, and uh, they're in New Jersey, and like I just said, and they're coming back to Queens. Now, if you drink Starbucks, you're drinking their milk. They provide every Starbucks with their milk. When so, are they coming back? Uh, uh, they, we just secured the deal. They're clearing their site now, and they're going to build a new manufacturing um, hub right in my district in Springfield Gardens. Uh, and 400 jobs coming back to Queens, uh, union jobs, average salary 75 k with benefits, and we inked the 50% local hiring agreement for um, Queens residents as well, some scholarship money for one of my local schools. So we need to continue to look at um, securing and, 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 and being a hub for different industries right here in Queens County. And 
the job of the borough president is to be the cheerleader and defender of the borough. And you're going to find I'm going to be a big cheerleader when it comes to growth in Queens. Right. You talked a lot about affordable housing. And obviously, that's such a big issue in Queens. Some people have been kind of critical about you accepting, you know, real estate donations and that kind of stuff. What would you say to those people? Well, I can't be bored, you know, and I have relationships. And, you know, I know we're in this this space where everybody's blowing with the wind. And uh, I'm not a blow with the wind person. You know, one, in this temperature, every developer has been painted as evil. And I think that's, it's not true. You know, I've worked with a lot of developers who've done great work with me. We're building community centers in my district. You know, they've, uh, and they're paying for it, you know, real affordable housing. So I, I do understand that the temperature right now when it comes to development because of gentrification in a lot of neighborhoods has people on edge. But my neighborhood is actually one of the few places in New York City that's still an affordable Riviera, right? So and, what does affordable actually look like what's the number for that so in my district uh we are doing housing for people earning for family of three actually earning about twenty-seven thousand up to eighty thousand for a family of three or four right so two people earning forty thousand your teacher's salary your police officer who starts with a forty thousand dollar salary none of my development is going above pretty much eighty percent ami which is about eighty thousand for a family of four so we are doing with and you never hear people talk about my rezoning because my rezoning was done the right way investment in the community i talked about the 40 million dollar library 20 million dollars in new in park money but also securing money to fix up decrepit parks that in that were existed in public housing across the site um so we we have done it we're the template actually we're the only community community where we had a community board approve a rezoning actually in this in the, in the de blasio administration's tenure the only one that's done a neighborhood rezoning where the community boards approved. And partly because there's been a lot of we were we are big on community engagement. And so we had EDC and I was a chairman of the zoning committee. We had them at people's kitchen tables. So when you hear and I mean that, I mean, we went to meetings at people's kitchen tables. They bought eight of their neighbors and we talked about the development happening. And even if people did not agree 100 percent, no one could say that the outreach wasn't done. I mean, we held 20 at at least 20 30 public meetings before we got there and everybody still wasn't happy with more density but at the end of the day we secured one of the best deals in an area that was blighted for 40 years and it's going to bring some great growth to the rockaways um, and really ensure that the local residents like me who live there would could still stay and enjoy a lot of the amenities coming so um, I can't be bored I'm I, you know when people bring up the question I have friendships with people I've developed relationships and I'm not going to turn my back on people who I've developed relationships with because we're running in a popularity contest but the one thing I'll say the end on this note is saying that anybody who takes a check from anybody and can be influences in the wrong business you should you shouldn't i mean people what stops you from being influenced by anybody it could be a constituent it could be a non-profit it could be real estate so if you can be influenced by anybody because they wrote you a check uh you should not run for office and you've been outspoken about supporting things like the decriminalization of small marijuana possession and of course anti-gun violence like you said there's another big issue right in the city right now, which is bail reform. And I know that you've also been very outspoken about that. What do you think about the narrative surrounding the law right now? So there's been, 
you know, it's just been interesting to watch. And I actually just met with the police commissioner last week and I raised the same question with him. You know, show me the data. You know, we 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 there has to be data. Show me the correlation between the individuals out on bail and what's happening on the streets. And let me just remind people, the NYPD is a victim of their own success because crime has continued to drop at historic levels that we have not seen in a very long time. And amongst big cities, obviously, we are the nation's leader when it comes to to dropping crime, and partly because we're doing a lot of work with the crisis management system, which is a cure violence program, where we're taking people who might have been engaged in the system, and they're working in communities with gang members and trying to find the services for them and finding the job opportunities for them. So in the culmination of those things, community policing have all kept New York City relatively safe. So now that the numbers are so low, anytime there's a slight uptick, you know, the NYPD, it's like there's an uptick. Now, just a reminder, Commissioner, this is before bail reform. Last January, Commissioner O'Neill had an uptick, too. It was the same thing because the NYPD continues to be a victim of their own success. As long as crime continues to drop Every year, you're going to compare the numbers against um, Latin, February. You could see a slight uptick again, and you're going to compare those numbers against last year, right? And you may see a slight uptick. But go back 10 years ago, go back seven years ago when crime was really high. So I mean, one crime is too much, and I don't want to downplay any victims because one like I said one shooting I lost a friend to gun violence um, there's no one who cares deeper about this issue I funded a gun buyback program personally out of my budget we took 200 guns off the streets of Queens so this is near and dear to me you know this is not an issue that I take lightly um, so one shooting is too much but there's still clearly an issue that no one is talking about everybody's pointing to the bill reform on the uptick in shootings but what about pointing to the NRA what about gun reform? Let's get to the root issues. And I, I was talking about this last night. You're blaming bail because there's an uptick in shootings because people have their hands on illegal weapons. Mind you, murders are down in New York City, too. But the point is we should get at the root causes of why people are committing crimes of poverty. And yes, there are, um, as the police commissioner will say, there are a minor amount of people in New York City who are driving crime, and precision policing should focus on those gangs and those members who really are driving a lot of the crime. But for somebody caught in the store stealing deodorant, should they be on Rikers Island because they can't afford bail? No. So what would you say to those you know, reports about police officials and everything? I think it was yesterday that I saw an article. They are blaming the bill reform law. That's an excuse. They have more work to do. Just admit it. We have more work to do. That's the bottom line. We're not out of the woods. There's still a lot of illegal weapons coming into our streets. Um, you know, one area that has been an, a big struggle is grand larceny, and that's going back from two, three years ago, right? Because everybody's, New York City's getting safer, people leaving their car doors open. You know, people have, you know, we all have these remote automatic starters and we don't think that our cars can be taken if we leave the door open because we have the automatic starter. So really a lot more education as many of my commanders um, continue to do needs to happen on the street level when it comes to grand larcenies, right? Um, there's still a lot more work to be done in, in addressing the factors that drive crime in certain areas in New York City. I mean, we saw a big spike in gang violence between teens and our communities last summer. I mean, we were in the streets. I mean, I personally went to meet with a group of them with the crisis management system to ask them to do a truce in the middle of the night, 11 o'clock at night, 
right? We're in a backyard meeting with people who have guns, right? So more of that work has to be done. And really, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll leave on on that conversation was when I asked a lot of those young people, you know, what do what are you looking to do? You can't stay engaged in this life forever. The one thing they said is we need a job. But the problem is once you've been arrested for minor marijuana offenses, like many people in my community were, um, you got to remember one in 10 arrests and summonses were in Southeast Queens. Right. And we're not. I mean, while we have our issues, we know in no form or fashion lead New York City in crime. But our communities were being targeted in, according to the police commissioner. He's police commissioner O'Neill back then said it's the wrong thing to do. We shouldn't be locking kids up for the first time because of a marijuana offense. So as long as those factors, the criminal justice system continues to drive people into that system, you're going to have a revolving cycle of crime (laughs) and recidivism. So we have a lot of work to, to address those key factors, including the educational system. What do you think about the progressive movement happening in Queens right now? That word is being thrown around like salami. (laughs) And for those of us who've been around for a while, uh, now one, I was a progressive caucus co-chair of the city council. I worked for an insurgent before that word was particularly popular. Um, You know, he ran against county for a decade. Um, when I ran, I, my first run, I was kicked off the ballot by county. I mean, I actually sued them. <laughs> um, and then in 2013, I ran and I was not supported by the organization. But you know what? Over the years, um, we've built bridges with everyone. And this is not about, you know, the, the problem I'm having with the left versus the center is that we're losing sight of what's important. And when I go out into the streets of South Jamaica or I'm in Elmhurst, nobody knows what the heck county or progressives are. I mean, what is this, the East Coast versus the West Coast? I mean, this has to be about improving people's lives. And I think we, we getting caught up, and I'm not saying there aren't, there's needs, there are critiques that are valid for both sides. But where I come from, um, we we don't you know the people in my neighborhood don't care about county or they don't care about progressives they just care about being able to feed their families they care about having better transit they care about affordable housing and so i try not to get caught into these um little title wars and label wars even though people will now say oh he's the organization um, excuse me, I've never seen you in my neighborhood. Uh, where were you when we were fighting the fight? So we're glad you arrived um, to finally help us fight the fight. But we've been doing this um, before people with titles who have titles, who now have titles, um, before they were fighting these fights. There was nothing given to any of us, including Gregory Meeks, who worked very hard. No one gave us anything. And it's coming from a black and brown community. We are the community most impacted. And even while people use slogans, we are the ones most impacted. And we're going to continue to fight that fight to ensure that the people most impacted could have a better quality of life. And just as many of the things I I ticked off in accomplishments and I can't even go through more, you know, I've seen the difference that we've made over the course of the last six years in people's lives when we cut the ribbon and people were homeless and they moved into a new unit. I, I know what it feels like to couch surf. I, I grew up with teenage parents. I have the lived experience. I've been stopped and frisked. Uh, I had guns drawn on me by the police department coming into teenagehood. But I think it's rightful. There are things that the movement has to be critiqued on. 
county needs to be critiqued on. And I think we're the bridge, honestly, in this race, because we come from both worlds, right? We've worked with people in county. We've worked with progressives. I was the co-chair of the city council's progressive caucus once again. And all we want is what's best for the 2.2 million people in Queens. So election day is coming up. What are you doing for that? (laughs) Very soon, yes. (laughs) What are you doing for that? You know, final push and getting people to vote. I'm just trying to convince my wife to vote for me at this point. What does she want to work for? (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the garbage out religiously now. Um, Oh, and uh, your dad too, right? (laughs) I think I got my dad vote. Okay. (laughs) Um, But we are we're working very hard right now. It's all about reaching voters. So doors, we're door knocking, phone banking. um, You know, obviously raising money. doing all the things we need to be successful. We picked up some key endorsements. I'm going to be very proud to announce some elected officials next week as well. Um, But we picked up the UFT's endorsement, DC 37, 32 BJ, um, the largest local in DC 37 as well, local 372. Um, And I anticipate some other unions coming on board. Also ASAL, which is is the uh, uh, South Asian Alliance, um, uh, Club of Queens, which was a big one for us as well, because we're building a very diverse coalition. So I think between the Queens County organization, labor, um, the diverse coalitions coming around us, and then elected officials, and most importantly, the public. You know, one thing is that that we've prided ourselves in doing is not waiting to election year to show up places. We've worked very hard over the course of the last 17 years, and I think this is why we're in the position we are in. And I and I think my community is really going to come out, and they're really excited about making history on March 24th. Don't forget, our early voting is March 14th. It starts, so we're going to get people out. Um, but right now, it's all about outdoors communicating with voters and there's no one more important to communicate with at this moment it's black history month yes yes so what are you doing to celebrate i think um you know how do we celebrate black history month well well, we honor we honor those who paved the way for us in the past and you know there are a lot of historical figures Uh, i I know they're even reopening malcolm x's uh, murder case now i think i heard yeah i read in the times yesterday um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, these are all our heroes. Shirley Chisholm. And we have a lot of local people who've paved the way for us, too, like Archie Spigner, um, you know, who was the first council member, I think, from Southeast Queens, actually. So he did a lot of work to pave the way for us. So when we when people talk about county organization, they got to look at like history of these people like Archie Spigner came from the south. He was a bus driver. He sh- he shined shoes. When he came into New York City, that's how he made a living. And uh, I think one of your papers actually picked up that op-ed on it. I think the Courier did. And it was just amazing to watch and read the stories of those who are right around us who really paved the way for us. So I like to give them shout outs during this period. And we got to continue to groom this next generation. Yesterday, I cut uh, a ribbon on a new uh, basketball court at Far Rockaway High School um, for students. And they were they were playing in decrepit conditions. You know, they had chips in their floor. You know, they 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 would trip, you know. And so it's really about ensuring the next generation knows their history, that they meet people who look like them, and that we pave the way so that they can make more history than us. I mean, I love President Obama. I mean, I was part of that campaign in 08. Um, Yeah, I ran the Queens outreach efforts, um, grassroots efforts right here in South Queens. 
I did not meet him yet, yeah. though. But my <laughs> predecessor who endorsed him, he was the only, um, <laughs> I think there were like two elected officials who endorsed Obama in New York City and state uh-huh. at that time. And he was one. So he met him. I worked very closely with David Axelrod at that time. Um, you know, these were people who ended up working in the White House. Jonta Williams, who's from South Queens, she ended up being like a big tour guide in, in the White House. It's been a lot of history made, but we still have a long way to go to make sure we address the systematic inequities because that's what's going to foster developing the social and emotional, need, emotional needs of kids in our communities and helping them to create history, create that next app that everybody wants to explore, that next business or moving up higher into government. So I'll be celebrating. There are a lot of events. Councilmember Idanique Miller does an event. We'll be sponsoring with him every year. And it's just great to see our community come out and celebrate a lot of the history that's been made. And, and lastly, we, we have an obligation to continue to, to sustain that. So we're going to continue to fight to do that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Looking for something to do this week? We've, We've got, got you, you covered. covered. <laughs> Sorry, I was just... Spend Valentine's Day with the whole family at this silent disco dance party. Let the kids dance the day away while you, the adults, enjoy a boozy brunch. There will also be a craft table to make Valentine's Day cards. It's at Catch Astoria on Saturday, February 15th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it costs about $10 to $25. And a ticket comes with complimentary champagne. Come enjoy this multicultural celebration at the Real Dance Center in Astoria. It will feature carnival and traditional dance performances from Italy, Russia, Peru, Bangladesh, Mexico, and Ireland. It's on Sunday, February 19th from 12.30 to 4.30 p.m. And it's free. The Queens County Farm Museum is hosting a three-day program they're calling Foraging, Fibers, and Food. Wednesday, February 19th is for foraging, the next day is for fibers, and Friday will be for food. Programming lasts from noon to 3 p.m. on all three of the days. It takes place at the Queens County Farm Museum, and tickets are $10 in advance, $15 at the door. That's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in, and be sure to head to QNS.com for more Queens news. This episode was co-hosted and co-produced by Angelica Acevedo and me, Jacob Kay. I also edited and mixed the episode. And we are also both reporters who are proud to have colleagues like Max Parrott, Jenna Bagkal, Bill Perry, and Carlotta Muhammad. Our editor is Zach Gowelp. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Published by Schneps Media. See you, See you next, next week. week.